It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Good evening, everyone. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, Chucky e. G. Hi, Karen. Karen's back. Hi, Karen. Did you miss me? Yeah. It was very silent day around the Frazier house last Friday or last Thursday. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, you very, it was very sad and quiet. Yeah, you wouldn't have crazy me to deal with either. So, well, I didn't have a voice, and you know, yeah, I it's difficult to do a radio show. When you don't have a voice. Yeah, I mean, I would have to lip. I would have to like read your lips and tell everybody what you're saying. It would be a really long. <laughs> <laughs> be a really long. Karen's that. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that would probably be bad. So tonight, folks, we have the, and I'm going to say the Chris Fleming on the show. He's a medium and paranormal investigator. I know him from just. He lives here in the area, but I mean, dead famous for three years. He's been on Psychic Kids, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, The Haunting. Or the haunted, excuse me, paranormal challenge, and a slew of other things. So this guy knows his stuff, and he's really friendly and fun. And I mean, I did an interview with him for the magazine. Was it? I think it was last year. Um, guy was was it last year, Cheryl? I think it was. It was either last year or the year before. Yeah. Um, really nice guy, though, man. He just sat there and talked and talked, man. He was very very nice. So um, I can't wait to get him on the show and and ask him all sorts of cool questions. So I hear we also have. Um, <clears throat> Correspondent Winter Balefire talking about yeah. witches in Mexico. And then, um, and then don't we have, you said we have lightning round, right? We have the lightning round. And here's the best part about it. Yeah. Today, I wrote my favorite lightning round question I've ever written. Yeah. That's why we're all afraid, folks. We're all afraid because we don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. If you were underpants, what would you be? Oh, my God. I don't know. It could be anything because Karen does come up with some pretty crazy stuff. So, um, but so how, how's life treating you, Karen? Good. Everything's going good. Feeling better. Um, pretty cool. Well, you got your boyfriend plus, right? So how was it? How was it being silent for a while? Well, that was a sad, sad day. Was it? Would Jim? You know me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think I talk in my sleep, probably. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you had no voice. You'd be like, and you'd be like, "What? What? What? What are you saying?" Yeah, that would sound. I I used to um, date this guy who would talk in his sleep, but wow. he would have like you could have full conversations with this dude, but you would ask him questions and he would answer you, but his answer would be absolute nonsense, and then he'd get <laughs> mad when you didn't understand him. <laughs> Oh, that's for some entertainment right there, folks. I used to totally entertain myself with that. Yes, that's probably why he broke up with me. Oh, you sent me the note. Yeah, he was on the cover of March 2014. Wow, it's two years ago? Really? Two years ago. Can you believe it? Oh, I can. It just seems like the other day, man. That's that crazy. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you know, look at that. He's coming on the show. So I'm all excited. So, um... Uh, anything happening with you, Cheryl? Uh, uh, oh, uh, got, yeah, got anything, anything planned, Cheryl? Cheryl? Yeah, coming up, I don't want to give the exact date, but coming up, we're going to Bobby Mackey's Music World for a spectacular paranormal investigation. 
Oh my God. And we are super excited about a, that. I, I think you mean a spooktacular. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yes. So the six of us have the location all to ourselves for five hours. And so we are going to go crazy investigating all sorts of paranormal activity, hopefully. I can't, I can't wait to see what you find and get some EVPs because I want to hear everything about it. I'm excited for you. Yeah, I have a little paranormal thing coming up this weekend in yeah. an undisclosed location as well. well you can't mm, say it's going to be fun. Location? Where are you going? Are you allowed to say that? Uh, I'll say it after the fact. Darn it! All right, well, I know anyways. But it's yeah. going to be exciting. And uh, me, I have nothing. I'm not going anywhere doing anything, but I did do a video for uh, the local school again, the holistic school. They did a, they were trying to win a thousand dollars for the school to help, you know, run things. And so they had to do a, like a thing for Whole Foods on veggies. So I went and shot a little veggie uh, ad or info, infomercial, whatever. And it's pretty funny. The kids were hilarious. So it was a good time. It turned out good. Uh, cool. So, that Facebook, you can see it. I think they've already posted it. So, anyways. Oh, and uh, before we start this uh, extravaganza of news, I have um, something in here that Cheryl is going to like to do with the news. So, Ooh, I'm intrigued. So why don't you go ahead and roll them, Cheryl? Just when you thought the world couldn't get any weirder, it's time for news of the strange and the All right, here we go. The first one. The title is The Legend of the Blair Witch. <gasps> myths oh, that created an infamous curse. In other words, there's myths that actually made what this curse was all about. So it's a little bit of a long story, but we're going to go ahead and give it to you because I thought, found it to be pretty interesting. So when most... Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. When most people hear about the Blair Witch, images come to mind of a horror film which was released in 1999 with a very low production budget. The movie was directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez, and it was so Love successful. Yep, and it was so successful that it spread across the world. However, Sanchez and Merrick based their production on a legend about a woman who many people claim was real, Ellie Kedward. What did Ellie do for her to be called a witch? What terrible events are said to have occurred in the last 300 years in a certain forest of Maryland in the United States? What is the origin of the curse connected to an infamous witch? So many questions. I hope you have answers. I do. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. It seems that the origins of the legend began in Maryland in the forest of the Black Hills, a place in which, according to local traditions, Native American tribes dared not enter. Local folklore says that around 1630, Colonel Nathaniel Blair led an expedition to cross the forest in order to find a suitable place to build a fort. Nathaniel is said to have sought help from a tribe in the area, but in response, they sabotaged his expedition. In spite of this, Blair and his men built the fort, which they baptized with the colonel's surname. Over the years, the site would grow to become the city of Blair, 1634. Although the Native Americans refused to enter the forest, legend says... The, that Colonel Blair and his men built a fort in the forest. Different stories tell that 150 years later, around 1785, a Blair resident named Ellie Kedward, an Irish immigrant, was accused of practicing witchcraft by several children. The children said they had, that she had dragged them from their homes with the intention of drinking their blood. 
Terror was unleashed on the entire population, and Ellie was convicted of witchcraft and exiled from Blair forever. Tied to a wagon, the woman was abandoned in the woods during the harsh winter. As the days passed, the people of Blair began to breeze easy, believing that Ellie had died from the cold or had been eaten by wild beasts that lived in the mountains. However, three of the children, accompanied by their dogs, returned to the forest to see if she had actually died, and to their surprise, they encountered the alleged witch still alive. The boys ordered their dogs to finish the job by attacking her. After that, they decided to release her from the cart and hung her from a tree until Ellie died. From then what? on, what a heartwarming story. From then on, the story says that numerous strange happenings began to take place in the forest. Ellie was accused of, of yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I already said that part. So, none of them were ever the children, including the three who had attacked Ellie, disappeared in the forest and were never found, neither alive nor dead. Fearing that these disappearances were due to the intervention of evil forces and the existence of the curse, the residents left Blair and vowed never to say the name Ellie again. Yet, a book is said to have appeared in 1809 called The Blair Witch Cult. This book, an unusual work of fiction of very poor quality, tells the story of a village cursed by the witch. The village is Blair and the witch is Ellie. However, in this story, the witch is hunted and then burned for her crimes. More than 40 years have passed before someone returns to the reside in Blair. By 1820, a man named Henry Burkett bought the abandoned town from the government. Little by little, he rebuilt the buildings which were in ruins, and in 1824, he renamed the city after himself. He called it Burkittsville, a town that does exist and is visited to this day by many tourists thanks to the legend of the witch. But in August of 1825, 11 residents claimed that a woman's extremely pale hand emerged from the Tappy East, a river that crosses Burkittsville. The hand allegedly pulled 10-year-old Eileen underwater. The search for the young girl took weeks, but her body was never found. Shortly after, it was discovered that the river was blocked due to an incredible number of branches affecting the water's cleanliness. This is what some say most likely could have caused the young villager's strange death. But later, in March of 1860, 1886, a eight-year-old, Robin Weaver, was reported missing in the forest. Various rescue teams searched for the several days until they found her. The small girl said she had met an old lady in the forest who was not walking, but floating. Ooh. Strange lady took her hand and led her to a house where she was left in the basement with a promise that the old woman would return. Robin waited for a long, long time, but started to get scared, and she finally fled. Those who did not return were never members of the rescue team. Weeks later, five other rescue workers found bodies in a place known as Coffin Rock. The corpses were tied together hand and foot, and quickly the rescuers returned to the village to tell others what they had seen. But when they returned, the bodies were gone. This is a horrible story. I'm, like, depressed. It's a creepy story. Finally, between November 1940 and 1941, there's another incident where more children disappeared. After four hours of walking to reach the small hut where they thought that they might be, um, they found small graves where they were all buried. So, to this day, this is what Blair Witch was based on. They took these stories of this witch, which, of course, they never could prove if she was still alive or dead because nobody ever saw her except for the children, um, and made this into this movie, which is interesting because they, they have the, the, the witch. They have the, the, I think, remember at the end of the movie, I don't think I'm going to spoil it now, where the child was standing in the corner facing the wall. 
So they I took all the different pieces of this and actually built the which the Blair Witch movie is what yes. you saw. But it was of course about less you know gruesome and such, but the same thing where the you know the witch was running around in the woods. So there was some uh, belief to this. But now we're going to go ahead and pick up and find something a little more humorous, though it's it's, it's kind of humorous but not kind of humorous. I did actually hear the nine one one call for the story. It's called Squirrels Attacks and Injures Seniors. That is correct. Remember last time I went, I talked about beavers and they were, you know, I don't know what it is with animals sometimes, but I think they get a little tired. When animals us. attack. Get tired of us. This comes from OrlandoSentinel.com. I'm pretty yes, sure ahead. that's a, a reality show, When Animals Attack. I, why, it is. It's, it, why, why are those stories so funny? I don't know. I know. Because it's not funny, but I mean, can you listen really to funny, the but... oh, it's funny, but it is funny when you read it because it says well, a little it's squirrel. It's like unexpected. Yeah, because, you know, a little squirrel causing a large commotion in a senior living community in Volusa County on Thursday. So it's just this little tiny squirrel. Okay. The animal attacks someone outside Sterling Court on Alabaster Way about 2.30 p.m., according to the county sheriff's office. The person attacked couldn't break free of the squirrel and went inside with the animal. That's when I went wild and started attacking others inside an activity room. It's jumping on people and biting them and scratching them as they need help, the worker told a 911 dispatcher. People really should avert their gaze from the modern survival thinking for just a bit and also look at how... Um, so another person... Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yes, uh, yes. So another person that was attacked started saying they started feeling lightheaded. They didn't feel good because I heard this with the 911 call. The woman told the dispatch the squirrel had attacked at least three or four people and said they were bleeding. She said someone was able to throw the animal outside. It's a, it's a, it's a squirrel for crying out loud. A worker who answered the phone at the facility Thursday night told the Orlando Sentinel that those who were injured were doing fine. They were okay, but would not comment any further. It's unclear what happened to the little squirrel. So, in other words, the thing attacked the one person, then they r- run yeah, into the... Yeah, it was a zombie squirrel looking for brains. <laughs> they run into the building. They go into the building, and then the next thing you know, boom, squirrel. And, and it was interesting because it was, it was sad but funny because you're hearing the lady who's on the phone call um, saying that you got the nine one one guy is asking, "Can you do you know where the squirrel is? Is it still in the room?" Because you know, they're trying to find out what to send, you know, who to send and stuff like that. And she's like, "I don't know. I, I'm locked in my office and I can't go out there." But I just hear a bunch of people are yelling. It's like, "Well, you need to <laughs> you need to go out there and try to help them." Have you ever so, seen Christmas Vacation where the squirrel gets in the house and they're all like yes. freaking out and stuff? Oh my, that's what that story reminds me of. It, so, does. it does remind me of that. So, um, but yeah, so those are my two stories for today. But um, yeah, I don't, you know, because it was the last one, I think it was, it was a beaver and it was in town and it was blocking people off from like the road. And then I think it ran into someone's house. And I, I, I always thought beavers were really, you know, I understand squirrels. They're a little sketchy, but I mean, beavers are usually supposed to be really sweet, aren't they? Well, you know? one of Jeff Foxworthy's stand-up routines is about a guy who gets his nipple bit off by a beaver. Oh. oh my God! No, you thought my story was just bad. Ow! It's actually very funny, but that's probably because it's Jeff Foxworthy <laughs> telling it. <laughs> my God! I don't know what it is with animals. Um, I don't. I don't really. I don't know. I don't understand it, but I do find them to be a bit odd. But like Cheryl says, they're, they're slightly humorous. I mean, there's not really much you can. I just picture you know, like like you said, Christmas, like the squirrels on her back, and she runs in there, and then the squirrels <laughs> like, I'm free, and he just. Bounces off of her and starts like attacking everybody, you know. And yeah, but Did you yeah. ever see the video of the the 
Hunter getting the hell beat out of him by a deer. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you yes. feel you, it's like your compassion almost breaks when you watch the when you watch nature fight back because really we suck to nature. Yeah, well, we're, just, <laughs> we're not very kind to it. Can't really blame the deer. I mean, everybody's <laughs> shooting the poor thing, and it just says, you know what, I'm done with you, and gets his little hooves up there. And I mean, and that's that stuff ain't that ain't nothing to play with, man. That'll, that'll kill you. Knocking you with the hoods and stuff like that. Plus, I think wasn't it one like a buck with like a big antlers and all that. And I can't remember. I just remember the guy just getting the tar beaten out of him by some oh some God. deer. My you know, here's the thing: they look cute and fluffy and stuff, but they are yeah. wild animals. Yes. Well, yeah. It's like my I remember my um my cousin when we were younger in Chicago, and he was like, you know, feed the squirrels. He's sitting in front of his house and feeding the squirrels, and then one of the squirrels was not happy because the other squirrel was getting fed and bit him. Of course, that ensued. You know, the wonderful shots and uh, yes. Uh, when I, heard I was that, and... I was sunbathing once uh, in a backyard when I was like eighteen. I was house sitting for some friends, mm. and it was kind of in this wooded backyard. And I woke up. Because I fell asleep. And I woke up and sat up. And there was a mother raccoon and her babies. And they were standing in an arch around my chair. Around my lawn chair. Oh my god, they surrounded you. They surrounded me. And I just kind of looked at them. And they looked at me. (laughs) I mean, they just ran off into the woods. But they were... I. I, What would have happened if I hadn't woke up, man? Were they... Did I look tasty? I don't know. Up like maybe I'd, I'd, I'd used some baby oil to try and, you know, increase the sun. Maybe I smelled like cooking chicken or something. I Man, it's looking pretty tasty. Let's drag her off into the forest. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Now, I've never been. I mean, I, I had a, a uh, oh, my God. My grandma had like one of those parakeets. Okay. I, I like animals. Okay. But when she let the parakeet out and it just started going around attacking us. Like going at your head and just, I'm, I'm not like, you know, eight. I'm like freaking out and I'm screaming. I don't want to hurt the bird, but I don't want the bird to hurt me. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was a really, and then it goes and I just starts attacking my brothers. And it's really terrible. Do you think everybody I'm, has a win animals attack story? Cheryl, do you have a win animals attack story? Oh, uh, I do. Um, oh. it's, it's it, But it's not a wild animal, so it doesn't really okay. count. It doesn't, still matters, still yep. counts. A little- Go ahead. Uh, well, I was I was little. I don't even know how old, to be honest with you. I might have been six, maybe seven at, the, at tops. And uh-huh. I had gone over to a friend's house, and she had a little baby Doberman pincher. But, you know, when you're little and seven, these dogs look huge. And it came, and I was entering the yard, and it came in and it jumped on me and, like, nipped my leg. And that one incident scarred me for the rest of my life, and I am terrified to be around most dogs. Yeah. I, really? I, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've gotten better at dealing with it as I as I've gotten older. I kind of just ignore them and hope they don't bite me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to yeah. be petrified around dogs. Petrified yeah. around all dogs. I still they still. I wonder of- if like butterflies attack people. No, oh, could you no. just got yelling a bunch of butterflies? No. When butterflies attack, I would <laughs> like a butterfly to land on me. That would be nice. Well, I've had butterflies nice. land on me. Really. Like Cinderella? I've had ladybugs. Lots of ladybugs land on me. Well, so there's this um, at the Woodland Park Zoo up in Seattle. I don't know if they still have it, but they had one of those butterfly garden exhibits that was in an enclosed space. Mm -hmm. And there were thousands of these different butterflies. And you would walk through and they would just, yeah. Cool. That was me. Yeah. I mean, there were so many. They would land on people. Well, okay. Bob wrote in chat that he used to have a... Uh, a raccoon, raccoon come into his workshop and 
and bite on his or pull on his pant leg when it was hungry, and I guess he would feed him. Really? Yeah, it, yeah. the problem with feeding raccoons. Once you feed a raccoon, they never leave you alone. They're yours forever. You know that raccoons <laughs> are actually super blind. They don't see really well. Um, and so they see things mostly with their little hands. And so if you notice them, like when they eat, they lick their paws first. Yeah. And yeah. the reason they lick their paws is because wetting their paws makes them more sensitive so that they can feel it better. How the hell would you know that? Well, how, where did. would you get that information? Well, you know, I'm a repository <laughs> of all sorts of... I know, I know, but I'm just amazed at that one, because that one's kind of, like, obscure. Too. So we had, a, a like, a wild animal game farm that you yeah. could drive through, yeah. where, like, the cows or the, the buffalo stick their head in your yeah. windows and okay. stuff. Ooh, cool. And they have a walking tour, and part of the walking tour was the raccoons that they had, and they would tell you. And then also... Um, I did an article a few years ago for the newspaper, and I interviewed a, a, a place that rescued wild animals. And oh, they, cool. I talked to them about it there, too. So, um, you know. Well, look in the chat room. Writer, you know all sorts of stuff. Winter, what, happening? Winter in the chat room apparently works full-time as a veterinary technician, so she's seen many, many things. And then she laughed, too. Yeah, so I bet you have. Yes. I'm... Sure. Oh my God! When we were kids, we used to go to Wisconsin, and you go to the you, at nighttime. Everybody goes to the dump, and you park your car, and then you watch like um, uh, bears or whatever eating like from the dump. And it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is this is entertainment. And <laughs> this is entertainment for us because the raccoons they were busy ripping the tops of the garbage cans open and like pulling all the stuff out. So you wake up in the morning, and it's like. That's why people used to put, like, I used to wonder, why is there giant rocks on top of the garbage cans? I, I, I understand now. Because yeah. the garbage is up. Yeah. So that's pretty crazy. Well, you know, there's there's good things that happen with animals, too. They don't always attack. But, yeah, sometimes it's just what the... Uh, well, I mean, they're what, just animals being animals. Yeah, they are. Animals you know, we, we tend to... We, we anthropomorphize everything and, and give them human traits. And we yeah. ascribe our motivations to animals. And... And we can't do that because they're yeah. animals being animals. They're not people. Yes, they are. They are. Hey, Cheryl, is it time for us to go to break? It's time. Okay. Look at me getting used Sign to the format of the show. All right. So, guys, uh, stick yeah. around. We're going to be talking to Chris Fleming. That's very exciting. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey, great t-shirt. I've heard of that place. It's really supposed to be haunted. You wear such cool t-shirts. You must have been, what, to every haunted spot in the country? Well, not really. 
I'm a member of HauntedShirtClub.com. I get a great t-shirt from a different haunted place every month, along with an info card with photos and stories and more. I can hardly wait to open it every month. Wow, I have to check that out. HauntedShirtClub.com, right? Yep, that's it. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire. If you share in my love for the macabre and bazaar, please check out my website, WinterBalefire.com. There you'll find some of my dark poetry, short stories, and blogs on the paranormal and occult. I'm also active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the name Winter Balefire. Thanks. Hope to see you guys soon. This is Jack Kenna, paranormal investigator and author with Spirits of New England, writer and correspondent with Paranormal Underground Magazine. Also, starting this Sunday, August 28th at 10 p.m., you can catch me on Haunted Case Files, which will highlight numerous investigations from our Spirits of New England team, as well as other investigators throughout the Northeast. Find out more at our website at www.spiritsofnewengland.org. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Frazier, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, dot com. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. So you're looking for the best in Paranormal Radio. Well, you just found it. Right here on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. Join me, Chucky G, and my awesome co-host, Karen Frazier, for topics ranging from the metaphysical to the unexplained. That's right. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states on MixLR, we will delve into all things paranormal. And along the way, we'll, we hope to entertain you and have a few laughs as well. So join us on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, exploring the unexplained. We are back. This is MixLR. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark with your hosts, Karen Frazier and me, the lovely Chucky G. The lovely and talented. You always leave part of it out. (laughs) So anyways... We have a wonderful guest this evening. Uh, I have talked to him before. I remember him well. He doesn't remember you, yes, but I, I don't remember, remember you from week to week. Yeah, so it's thanks okay. a lot. And I really like no, this. No, I remember your name. You yeah, know, I, I, know, I, no, I remember That's okay. You. That's all right. I, 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 I like him because a lot. Because you don't run into guys people. named Chucky e. G very often, Chris. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, unless they're DJs. Please welcome Chucky e. G. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long tonight. show. It's going to be a long show, folks. All right. But anyways, I'd like to introduce Chris Fleming. Medium and paranormal investigator, among other things. Of course, you've been. My favorite show is Dead Famous. I have those. I, watch I have never seen I it. I wonder. If oh my I god! Can I love it. Like Netflix or Hulu or something. Uh, it's on YouTube, mm-hmm. actually. Is yeah. It? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had to get my DVDs. I think from Britain. I think is where I had to get those from. Because uh, they're like 
uh, PAL or something like that. They're not a uh, yeah. region. So I had to get right. those. But yeah, I got those and I watched them. I've heard local. about it for years. Thank you. And, also. Yeah. All right, you too. Awesome Awesome yep. places. Yep. And then, of course, like your kids, Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures. I've seen it and everything. So it's pretty I, much. I think the only thing I've seen you on was um, uh, David Omen um, on uh, Ghost Hunters. Ghost, go, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I saw it. That's the only yeah. thing I ever saw you on was that mm-hmm. house. Hey, can we start by talking about that house? Because sure. when, when I was a senior in high school, we had to write a research paper. And I wrote my research paper on the Manson killings. And uh-huh. on on Sharon Tate. Creepy. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, that's what I was thinking. Right? I know. Hey. I hate it. I got an A plus on it. So, you that's, know. Oh, I, that's awesome. My teacher, my teacher said it was like, a, you know, one of the more original topics he'd ever seen. Although my son wrote one on, um, on Joseph Smith and the LDS. So, you know, they get all sorts of things, I guess. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about that house. Do you, because it's not exactly where Sharon Tate was killed, right? Correct. Correct. But yeah, no, it, it's a couple houses down. But it has the house. lot. The lot where that occurred is uh, like two or three houses down from him, mm-hmm. um, if I'm correct on that number. But I mean, it's walking distance. You could walk right over there. They had gutted that entire building, you know, after they died years later, leveled it, and there's a guy that I think he did the TV show Full House or something, or he was involved. Uh, he's got lots of money. He built a huge house there. Um, he lives there now, and I think someone before him was a, a guy from Nine Inch Nails, maybe, or someone. Oh yeah, Trent uh, Reznor. Maybe him or some music guy uh, mm-hmm. built this huge mansion there, and was having paranormal stuff going on there. So there's stuff that does go on in the house that is built on the exact land for Sharon Tate, and then a couple houses down, David Ullman has stuff going on all the time. The reason for that is Dave had done a séance many years later, uh, many years ago, with a Ouija board in trying to contact the spirits of J.C. Breen and Sharon Tate. That mm-hmm. communication that he did brought them to the house. Be, as careful, well as what other you, be careful what yeah. you wish for. Correct. Wow. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. So before we were on the air, you were mentioning that you had a traumatic brain injury in 2009. Correct. And, um, Correct. Uh, it interested me because I also just had one. I mean, mine was very mild. Uh, so I remember things, but I was curious about how the TBI changed your abilities or if it did. Yeah. Um, at first I didn't feel, I I don't even remember. (laughs) Um, so people know as I had a concussion, I lost, I thought it was always two days of memory. Uh, I didn't remember, um, but it was actually four days. Uh, the accident uh-huh. happened on Wednesday. I thought it always. I always thought it happened on Friday until we had the deposition, and then the attorneys told me that uh, it was on Wednesday, uh, which uh-huh. I got emotional because I realized you're telling me that not only did I lose memory of two days, I lost memory of four days. I'm like, you know, right. what the f- what's happening to me? It was labeled a concussion. Um, but the problem was I still had memory problems, headaches, spasms, and I still get spasms and headaches today. Uh, I was forgetting things, um, that type of stuff. And this was going on and on and on and on after six months. Oh, you'll be fine in six months. And then a year or two years. So I ended up going to see a doctor in uh, Chicago as an expert in dealing with TBIs. Uh, he looked at me, ran tests, all this blah, blah, blah. 
and I've been labeled with the TBI, as well as had some seizures. 2014, I was having some mini seizures, um, waking up in pain, and and I would stutter, and it was it was really weird because I'm sorry. It's it you know, I've got things under control now. Um, I still have issues with memory and certain stuff that occur short term memory mostly, long term not so. It's right. short term. Uh, like if we're talking five minutes later, I can ask you the same question. You know, sure. and I could t- I said, hey, remember last year when we went somewhere? Like you'd be like, Chris, that was six years ago, and I'm like, what? And and so that is difficult in, in sensing time. So with all of that said, the problem was I also had whiplash, so I've got chronic neck pain. The neck pain is right around the C2, C3 area, mm-hmm. uh, and it shifts around. That is the exact area that I've always got the tingling sensation when I feel the presence of something affecting the electromagnetic spectrum or actually affecting the, the spirit affecting me is it would tingle back there. But now I have pain and pressure there all the time, so it's all noise. So back in 2011, I had to start learning ways to meditate and going into 2012, and then I had an out-of-body experience, a really significant one, and then I had another one. And I started realizing that, you know, I'm not limited to my body. There needs to be no noise, no distraction. Consciousness is everywhere and can access everywhere. So in practicing that, when I say practicing that, no different than me just sitting in my bed or sitting somewhere and I'm praying. I'm talking to them, saying, guys, help me out. Help me out to figure this out. And I started having out-of-body experiences. Wow. Hmm. And so that that then is that kind of uh, the state that you go into now when you work with the, your psychic abilities? Then no, no, no. It was to have those uh, out of body experiences to show me how my true self is separate from the body. Yeah, and right. This is this is only temporary. The pain and this and that, and that there's there's yeah. peace and everything on the other side. So by okay. them showing that to me and me then actually waking up and seeing myself floating above myself. Well, actually. I was floating above myself looking down and this body opens it up and you know I look at it and it's me and then I get sucked back into my body. So for me to realize that and experience that, my perception changed to where I'm not, oh, poor me, I got this, I don't feel anything, what the hell's wrong, I can't sense ghosts, what am I going to do? And to now, it's above and beyond that awareness is I can communicate non-locally, which I was always able to do, but they've allowed me from my out-of-body experience to tune into things that I didn't even think possible. And we're going into timelines, the past, which there's no such thing as the past, alternate realities, and that's a whole nother topic. So that's a gift that came about from this, what would be perceived as a negative experience of, of having a TBI and being injured then. I wouldn't say it's a gift. It was always there in awareness because when I was a child- okay. I had had two out-of-body experiences. One of them was induced, and another one, uh, I was out of my body, and I saw my dad's soul go out of his body. It's like I could see through walls, which was really weird, and then he goes up, and I think, oh, my God, my dad died, and I went after him, and I went to heaven, and I went saw this huge white building. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, I talk about the crystals and stuff. It wasn't really crystal, but it looked like it could be, and my dad flew in and other souls were flowing in. And when I flew into this, to this window, there's no glass or anything. It was huge. I flew into it. There's my dad with like a glass, beautiful chalice of wine laughing and they're all dancing and celebrating. And they're all in these white pearlescent robes. 
And I'm like, Dad, you died. Why? Why did you die? And my, and everybody turns and they're all smiling. My dad's like, Son, what are you doing here? And I said, I followed you. Dad says, No, you don't understand. I didn't die. He goes, Yes, you did. He goes, Son, one day you'll understand. He goes, I'll see you tomorrow. Go back to sleep. And then I floated and got sucked back into my body. And I woke up crying and I, I told my mom. And my dad was on a trip playing hockey. So my mom called him later that day and he was fine. So. I always hmm. wondered, then why did I have that dream? It wasn't a dream. It's like we leave, our soul leaves our body at night. And most of the time, we're not aware of it. We forget it. Or we have certain adventures and dreams of it. Or we remember talking to somebody in the astral plane. So what happens is our soul leaves our body. I don't know if it's every single night or not. I can't answer that. But it leaves and it goes and does these wonderful things. And sometimes you meet up with people. Sometimes there'll be intervention. Sometimes you're going over how you've been doing. And then you forget a lot of it when you come back. So as a child, I didn't understand any of that. thought my dad yeah. And uh, I actually recorded uh, me telling him this uh, when he was in the hospital because we started talking about death and that there's life after death. And I wanted him to be consciously aware how to communicate with me and how, how it works so he didn't get stuck or anything like that. So I told him the, uh, the story from when I was younger, and I thought he had died. And I said, Dad, now I understand. Because so, I've had out-of-body experiences, so it was pretty cool. Wow, that's a great story. Sorry, I'm like going the... off on tangents. No, that's okay. no, no you know gonna... what? You we, we have no agenda. Yeah. We just, we just gonna... gab. Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to take you back backwards because um, I like the story of, of, of Henry and how it connects oh. to other life other than here i mean i really find that fascinating so if you can talk a little bit about that sure, and like we're sure. started and, and then the thing with cnn that just was like trippy so if right. you can go ahead and talk about that that'd be great um yeah i mean when i started having things happen in the house with the ghost 1973 74 75 and we started doing the ouija board to communicate with the ghosts and spirits and one that kept coming through said his name was henry so i basically got a spiritual relationship with this ghost that was in my house that I had seen face to face. Um, he said his name was Henry. He described his life late 1800s. He was a trader, importer, exporter. I just remember seeing him in this, this really nice suit by the ships and all the masts coming in. And he was involved in all the crates that would come in and stuff that would go out. That was his business. Now, the interesting thing that I used to do with the Ouija board was they had trained me and told me that I could lay down and meditate, that it's kind of like dreaming, but it's not dreaming. So I would lay beside the Ouija board and stuff. My friends, my buddy Blue and Brian, we did this a couple times as well, is we would lay there and we start get these movies playing in our head like we were dreaming. But yet they were controlling it because they had permission and they were showing us stuff, whether it was their life, whether it was our past lives or whatever. And we just have these colorful, detailed dreams so that relationship had built up with him. I went and saw the movie Close Encounters. My mom took me in 1977. And I loved the movie and everything. So I was wondering, oh, my God, is, is there aliens out there? Is there life <laughs> in our solar system? So I went on there and I asked. And, and I said, hey, Henry, is Henry around? Can you ask him, is there, are there aliens or any life on any of the planets? And it wrote back. It said, no. Then it went, yes. Like, what do you mean? And it said, Europa and spelled out Europa. I didn't know what Europa was. I'm Europa, you know, and I remember writing it down E U R. And we had an Encyclopedia Britannica, 
and I'm sitting there doing it. I said, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. And it kept pointing, kept going with the thing. I'm like, what, what you're pointing. I go, well, you're pointing over there by the TV. No, it's pointing, pointing. I what? And it says books B O O K. I go all the books. So I went over the books, went through mm-hmm. and looked under E and found Europa. I'm like, holy cow, there is something named Europa. And it was a moon on, I don't know, Saturn or Jupiter. I can't remember. Yeah. Jupiter. Yeah. Jupiter. Mm-hmm. And he said, I said, so there's life on there. It said, yes, plant and bacteria, it spelled out. And I was like, holy cow. So there's no aliens? It says not here. So not here with our system, which I didn't know what it meant. So it said Europa. Now, this is 1977, 78. It wasn't too many years later. I've always remembered this. I talked about it on radio shows. I think I wrote about it in my magazine back in the 90s. Well, around that time period, there was a thing that was on CNN, and I was doing laundry. I remember hearing, yeah, scientists now believe there may be life on a moon called Europa. And I'm like, what? So I go racing in there going, <laughs> no freaking way, <laughs> right? That was then. And then just as we know, I think it was April this year or earlier this year, they were saying in Huffington Post and everything that NASA has this huge thing to reveal about a moon called Europa. And uh, they believe they found ice and water. And because they found ice and water, they speculate, well, then there might be bacteria or plants. Wow. And I'm like, so yes, cool. there is. <laughs> Trust me. Okay, it's about time you guys are figuring this out. Uh-oh. Nailed it, Henry. Nailed it. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. See, that's... but that's the thing is there's no such thing as time or space in the spirit world. So they can access it for us. It's third dimension. We got to build something to get us there. Then we got to go there or we got to get something that'll go there to film it. We can't go there with our minds. We go there creatively, but we don't go there consciously because we feel we're limited to this physical body. But I've realized we're not. So did the car accident kind of help me come to that awareness? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Fascinating. So, um, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about the paranormal field a bit. So, you've been in it long enough to know. Have we have we gotten any farther? You know, since you know way back. Have, do you think we've made any progress on? I mean, not as psychic mediums, just as you know, investigators in the whole. Have Here's we made the problem. Pro- yeah, is we've made headway back in the fifties and sixties, um, and it gets lost. It, it, you know, the people die, disappear, whatever, and you don't hear anything. I mean, we've got in the nineteen fifties. There was two priests that were recording audio of Gregorian chants onto the latest technology, these cylinders, mm-hmm. and they kept having problems. So the one priest, you know, kind of yells out in exasperation, you know, my father, my father, you know, father, his father, not God, saying, you know, will you please help us? We're having problems. And they end up playing it back and they get this response of his father. And this is back in 1953. And the priest is freaked out, so they go and they do this experiment again, and they he says, hey, Zucchini, it's me, because that was his nickname, was Zucchini. <laughs> this was in Italy, remember? He mm-hmm. says, hey, Zucchini, yeah. it's me. Don't you know my voice when you hear me? Well, the priest freaked out because there was only one person that ever called him that, and that was his father. And that was his father's voice. So he went to the Pope, went to see Pope Pius, and he says, you know, we got to tell you this because we know it's against our religion. Uh you know, to communicate with spirits. And he's like, no, 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 no. It's not spiritism. It's not this and that. Because you have the recorder, which is objective, you know, subjective. And you are are not the mediator. 
So it's the technology that is actually recording it. He goes, but we are well aware of this. We are well aware that we're hearing spirit voices. We can communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully one day this will be accepted and you know, the populace will it'll prove that there's heaven, there's life after death. So this will maybe benefit us. So this was known back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have all the EVP experts. You have the Spiritcom and everything else that comes out. And then you've even got uh, Marcello Bacci, uh, uh, you know, in Europe. Yeah. I, I believe it's France or Italy. He's been using radio, shortwave radios, and yep. having direct communication back and forth. That's you know, pretty clear as day. It's yeah. the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but then you'll have some you know, people today saying, Hey, you know, I'm going to create something to where we can communicate with them back and forth. Guess what? It was done a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It was done a long time when I can tell you this, the Navy has shortwave radios where they can already communicate with spirits. They've known this for like 30 years. So they've been communicating clear as day with these radios. And the reason why I know this is because I was told this three years ago, from a producer of a certain show, I'm not going to tell you, that mm-hmm. they had uh, the opportunity to be shown something, but it couldn't be used on TV. And the the producer witnessed this, but the people that host the show, they, they did not. They were not there. And when he was explaining stuff, I did a little background on the radios. He was saying everything. And he was right. And I was like, holy cow. That the Navy, because of the sonars and going into very low frequencies, low yeah. hertz, mm-hmm. yes, they began hearing basically what Tesla did a long time ago with his Tesla coil, which was picking up above infrasound mm-hmm. of the earth and in between the above infrasound and going into like seven Hertz and less, which they're saying it's between one to three Hertz that they're getting this is where they're communicating. And as you know, we use shortwave radio that goes down close to that. Well, it's right around that area is that the spirits are communicating. Uh, wow. their conscious, their conscious thoughts are actually being picked up. It's not like they're vocally talking to yeah, us. Right. Their conscious energy, their souls, their their forms are mm-hmm. communicating, projecting thoughts. The thoughts are being picked up between that one and three hertz. If That's what's um, theorized and, and from what they're doing, communicating in those ranges. But um, So what are they, what are they, I mean, what are, what, are they so doing we're anything? We're already with the, there, but you know, but now we've yeah. got apps and we've got, you know, <laughs> you know all these other devices. Yeah. And, and some of the apps, and I'll be honest, um, I've used uh, like four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last couple of years, and I've gotten some really impressive response, some direct responses and sp- some specifics, which couldn't have been just the front loading and the random stuff they put in there. Right. But there's so many false positives on these apps because they're pre they're putting in words that say spirits, ghosts, heaven, right. hell, they're putting in yeah. those phrases. And so people, when they're doing it, that are all amateurs, you know, mm-hmm. most of the people out there are amateurs. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't care yeah. if they've been doing this two, three years. You need to be doing this 20, 30 years to be considered professional is they're hearing these things thinking, oh, the spirits are talking to me. No, it's false positives because those are already preset into those apps. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. But the problem with that is you have people that will state that and they won't pay any attention to the apps, but I'm getting direct response communication in between some of those loops or those random things they're doing mm-hmm. that are saying, you know, specifics. And to me, that's okay. There's the spirit communication. Actually, some of these things, front rolling things are getting in the way. Um, but they'll say, well, the spirits can manipulate it. Yeah, but if you're getting some of these words that aren't even in your database, 
then the spirits are creating it. They don't need those specific other specific words that you're putting in there. Right. And that's what we need to be looking for. But to say, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But you know, some you people go around. Okay. Some people go around saying that I'm going to create the best device out there. Well, guess what? It's already been done. The military, right. yeah. and they, they already know this. And mm. you know, going back 40 years, 30 years, this was already done. Mm. Uh, the problem was is that uh, in some instances, it's the medium that's actually establishing the communication with the device. The device is just picking it up. And okay. we know this from some of the top people that have communicated. Mm-hmm. Spiritcom, I mean, Marcello Bacci. It's mm-hmm. me, his mediumship that is allowing that connection. Same thing like what I was doing with the spirit box and having communication go back and forth in yes. sentences and stuff. Yes. Is, is, it's the communication, spirit communication that you have as a medium or someone that's used to doing it that mm-hmm. the technology is picking it up. It's recording it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to bring up. Amplifying yeah. it. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you're already, so, it's already, you're already bringing it in and then it's just well, helping. Yeah. To, yeah. As you were, as you were talking about that, I was actually thinking about like the little, um, Oh, the shack hack kind of little ghost box things. And I got great responses on those. I, <laughs> I do too, but people, I always, what you were saying about it's between the noises. That's where I hear it. Yeah. Like this really low, quiet voice underneath all of the radio from the radio yeah yeah, yeah. and it actually because you can tell too because it's flowing and it's straight through whether it's a full sentence or a couple of words versus the the white noise and all the static and all the little bits and pieces so one word I mean, at a time yeah, yeah it's sort of like it's like a focal point it, like you just tell you can tell it's forward you know what i mean it's it's there and it's and especially if it's if it's if it's re, you know a, a, answering your question or responding to what you're saying too i find that pretty fascinating that's why i, I still like the sp7 i mean i find that still uh very yeah. useful you know what i mean so um what other, I mean, as far as, since we're talking about equipment and stuff, and we know understand that a lot of times mediumship is what brings things forward. Well, I mean, what other equipment do you, do you still like to use the, the tried and trues like K2 or, you know, stuff like that? Or, I mean, what do you, what do you think about Cause I know we talked about just now all the new audio stuff, but you know, there's all sorts of new <laughs> equipment out there, you know? I mean, what's your, what's your feeling on some of this stuff? Um, yeah, I still use a lot of, I mean, the spirit boxes what I'm always using, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got my own, so my Sony ICR recorder, which I've been using since dead famous, <laughs> you know, when it, this device came out, I think in 2004 or five, whatever. Right. Uh, so I started using that because I was using cassette tapes, the first season of dead famous and second season, I was using all cassette tapes and I'm getting a grade EVPs. And then I go to the digital thing and it made it easier. Cause I could put that into my computer, just download it all instead of saving all the audio and transferring it to computer. I mean, it was just monotonous. But going, going to that is um, my SP7 Sony recorder, um, K2. Sometimes I'll put them around. I'll have other people that are investigating with me use the K2s. And then uh, I like the Eddy, um, the little Eddy device, because it's got the nice soft cover to it. I wish they'd do a little bit more with the face and, and some of the features uh, involving with it. But... I like that device, you know, and then I've got the SLS camera. So, which Bill Chappell did, which is just phenomenal. <laughs> what is a, it? What does it do? That's phenomenal. I don't know about the SLS. It's a structured, camera. yeah, it's a structured light sensor. I mean, you know, the connects mm-hmm. games where you'll get in front of your TV and all of a sudden yep. you're a stick figure yep. and then it matches with the character. Well, yeah. what he did is he took that principle and he's got a sensor to where it looks at the entire electromagnetic field 
and it also looks at the entire room and maps it all out. It's all mapped out just like the Connectix. Mm-hmm. But what it does, it goes deeper into that if anything is moving besides you, it's getting picked up. Even though you can't see it visually, yeah. it's affecting... That guy is a creative genius. It affects... That, that- yeah, yeah and it's affecting the lasers that come out to where it's affecting that, that hey, even though we don't see it, something just moved. Yeah. And then what happens is it gets mapped. Yep. And it gets it's, like the stick figure maps so that cool. there's something there. It's but so we've cool. had like say, hey, put your hand up or can you do this? And it's reacted to it. So that means it has intelligence. Yeah. I see Unless- one where it said I, I see one where it said, say, Can you touch this guy and or touch her arm? And then you see it reach over. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's just like mind-blowing wow, okay that's pretty cool so those are my favorite devices um i i think there there definitely needs to be a better ghost box without the sweeping that it comes through but i've listened to these apps and they're going in the right directions they're not perfect yet and keep in mind uh-huh. you know a lot of the people that are using the apps they might be doing it for 10 minutes whatever and they're editing right. it down taking the best clips it's obvious because you yeah. can see it so they're taking just the best clips right from it but in the same sense some of these things there's a little paradoia going on. They're saying it says this and it doesn't say that. And I've, and I've done that myself by mistake too. Um, but then also there's some false positives that have nothing to do with what they're saying. And the spirits aren't even talking about what they're doing. So it's, to me, it's like, okay, there's, there's probably about 20%, uh, 30% that's evidence, I believe. And the rest are like false positives, but it doesn't matter. Right. Even if you had 1% evidence, that's all you need. Evidence. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Because 1% um, means that you're talking to conscious energy or spirit or ghost. Hello. Correct. Yeah. 1% you know? is as mind blowing as it is. So there was a question and it kind of goes, I know she didn't want to go back, but I just wanted to touch on it for her. It's a friend of mine. She's in chat. Um, she wanted to know if your dad, did your dad ever have psychic abilities or anybody else in the family or is it just you? Oh, it was. No, my dad had stuff. He didn't like to talk about it though. And, you know, when I would see these ghosts or I would see them and I state that because my dad always ignored what the hell was going on. Mm-hmm. And I watched him walk by one of them as was standing right next to him. And I said, Dad, there's a ghost right next to you. He says, son, ignore them. They'll go away. And I'm like, how can you ignore something you're seeing with your eyes? Oh, my God. And your emotions are reacting to it. So yeah. it's affecting you. And we are emotions. So I used to get really frustrated because then sometimes you say, oh, it's your imagination. It's not my imagination. You know, but yet he would, you know, this one thing screamed on the side of the bed, filled up the whole room with these lights. And I was like some type of demonic entity. And my dad goes sliding off the bed. I go on top of me, throws me down and he's shaking. He picks up the phone, starts dialing because we had to dial things in the 70s. <laughs> I remember those. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I recall. <laughs> I mean, it's not like 911, right? No. You call yeah. The police department, you call the yes. operator, right? And the operator yeah. paid you, but it still was like, I know I used to. I mean, you got a killer coming in the house. Videos, yeah. Man. <laughs> Shit, I hope I get all the numbers and by the time it breaks the door down. <laughs> right? Today it's like, yes. Yep. They're calling. They're calling. Uh huh. <laughs> That's right. I just press one thing and they're on their way. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's, but, that's you know, for my yeah, dad, we all made it out of the seventies. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, know, you know, my dad was uh, when he was dying. He had five years. He was in a care center from a stroke and heart attack. You know, we talked about all that. We talked about everything, and he said to me, "It was terminology." I said, "Dad, remember all the ghosts? You know, growing up." He's like, "No." I go, "What do you mean, no?" I said, "The ghosts." He goes. Chris, there's no such thing as ghosts. I go, how could you say that? Dad, you go flying off the bed from the demon. You used to yell at me to get back in the room, yet I'm in the bed next to you. I'm not messing with the door, and blah, blah, blah. He's like, 
I said, he's like, nah, nah. And I said, dad, what was it like 15 years ago when I was doing my magazine? Sometimes interviewed you and then came back to me saying, oh yeah, your dad said he just saw a ghost last week. I'm like, what? I call him up. I go, well, you saw a ghost last week? <laughs> he goes, no, I saw, I saw, I saw a man, a person. I go, you saw a person? He goes, yeah, he was floating above me and my wife. And then he went up through the ceiling. I go, so what'd you do? He's like, what am I going to do? He left. And I said, did you say anything? Were you freaked out? He's like, no, I went back to bed. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? Cause I didn't think it was a big deal. All right. Number one, <laughs> someone sees a ghost. It's a big freaking deal. Unless yeah. you're yeah. used to seeing it and stuff like that. So I asked him, I said, so dad, you mean to tell me, did you ever see people around our house floating around? It's like, oh yeah, all the time. All right. Well. I, I go, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you say nothing? He goes, they weren't bothering me. They were bothering you. <laughs> Can you believe that? I literally wanted to punch him, even though he was in the hospital bed. Because I'm like, Dad, you realize that for many years I've been upset about that because you yeah. wouldn't acknowledge what's going on? Yeah. Oh, well, you're over it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, they're just floating. That's normal that people float in the air and all, you know. That's hilarious. I have some of the – by the way, I do have some of your magazines too, some of the ones that you – yeah, you sent me a couple of those. Those are cool. Um, all right, so uh, late. Let's let's talk. Let's move forward now. Let's talk. Um, are there any cases that like you've been on lately, or anything you've done lately that is like you'd like to share with us? Something that's really interesting as far as evidence or activity, or you know, something profound, maybe profound. Profound. Um, I've yeah, had well, some. It, it, I had well, a case last year where the guy was nuts. Oh, okay. psychologically crazy. Um, and I, luckily I videotaped the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, he had an obsession with someone that died and he was saying that there's demons and ghosts in his house and, and he would oh. go up to the, the plywood, the, the paneling goes like, see a demon came right here. See the shape. It looks like a demon. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. And I walked by the toilet and the toilet's not even flushed. I'm like, and it was smelled. I'm like, are you going to flush this? Oh, so I realized he's forgetting simple things. Mm -hmm. Okay. His mind's not all there. It's fragmented. So. I went into a room. One of the rooms was a hoarding room. Mm -hmm. I literally stuff all piled up to your waist. He goes wow. in there, and when he's there, he goes, oh, something just grabbed me. And he had leaned up against a lamppost that was coming out. And, and I got this on night vision. Okay. So I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this guy's exaggerating. Is this and that? Mm -hmm. I did catch a couple EVPs, don't get me wrong. And yeah. the EVPs were negative spirits so i realized okay there's negative spirits messing with him but he's exaggerating everything so i had him write something else say prayers and all this other stuff that i did uh that was more psychological for him that he needed to do with this obsession and i Correct. told him to go back to going to counseling next thing you know over the next few months i mean he's texting me saying like 33 demons attacked him he's got scratches and he's going into stuff that is really crazy Mm -hmm. Then I started getting phone calls, and I can tell you, to date, I have over 11 or 12, I'm not exaggerating at all, wow. ghost hunting groups, experts, mediums, psychologists, mm -hmm. call me, all asking about this, saying that I verified his place was haunted, and he was having these attacks, mm -hmm. and he was getting them to come in to investigate. This guy became obsessed with having people just come to his house, because no one would come to his house. So he was having all these people coming through. What ended up happening was, uh, you know, I had to get involved and talk to all these people. Says, "Don't waste your time." And then I had to talk to his one of his psychologists in regards to him saying, "Listen, I don't believe ninety nine percent of stuff at his house. Everything is not paranormal. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's a little bit going on, but 
he needs to get himself cleared. So yeah. that was an unfortunate thing, and it was I was started getting harassing texts, yeah. which is like a borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you know, bipolar uh, tendencies of beginning screaming, yelling, and then making up stuff to other people to protect oneself because of their, their health. Right. So that was more psychological. And there's been a couple psychological ones in the last four or five years. I have two cases right now, one uh, local. Um, all I'm going to say is, and that I can say publicly, is a woman's owned the home for 10 years, and she's only lived there seven months out of the 10 years. Um, black masses coming out, uh, voices yelling, get out, all these other things. You got scratches and stuff like that. So uh, I'm going to be going there in the next two weeks, and I may even spend the night there. Uh, I pretty much got a good idea what's going on. I do believe it's the land. Uh, I believe a TAPS group went there. Um, and got some stuff on recording, mm-hmm. but uh, she is a personal friend of a friend, so my job is to go in there and remove it. Gotcha. Okay. And how so, will you? How do you do that? Well, it's a very good question. If I was to tell you that I use steps one, two, three, and four, then I would not be very experienced knowing this industry that I know now. Is it's not going to work for every single thing? Right. So there is certain protocols, certain principles that I do. But I have to go into that house to know exactly what I'm dealing with, as well as watch how the person that's being affected reacts to the things that I do within the house. So I can see, are there things that, because what normally happens, and not everybody knows this, and here's the secret, but uh, understand that it's more than just this, is most people that have hauntings, I should say, that are being haunted, is because they have a thing they haven't released within themselves. Childhood trauma, sexual abuse, uh, could be a relationship, could be anger, depression, an addiction, uh, cocaine, alcohol, sex, whatever. can be like a really hard addiction that affects their consciousness and their spirit. So they're fragmented. They're having problems. They're having all these issues. Evil spirits will come down like vultures realizing, ooh, they're weak, they're prey. Uh, So I'm going to pick on them to cause more oppression and they'll get these attachments. So I have to watch that to see what it was that is the trigger going on in this person emotionally that is affecting their soul and their balance within this life that attracted this entity. If that isn't it, then I realize, okay, I'm dealing with the location. So I have to find out what went on in the location to affect this entity. But it's counseling for this person and this woman, and then it's also counseling and communicating with the goat. You know, I said goat. Yeah, you, you said See, goat. Well, I, got, I got confused well, there for a minute. I have been communicating with the goat <laughs> that just died in Chicago because the couple okay. went to rest. <laughs> the goat nice. died. Nice recovery. Um, <laughs> but no, I had two things going on in my head at times. Is, is the ghost, good. Yeah. is the spirit or the demonic entity, whatever it may be, to find out why are you attached? What is it that's bothering you that made you do this? Because they're going to pick on somebody that they're familiar with. And usually what they're familiar with is the trauma or the thing that they're going through and they focus on that. So, I mean, that's how I do it. And the thing is, is it's built on years of not only having out-of-body experiences later in life and early, but also communicating with spirits on various levels since I was a child. Right. So I know how to, to you know, when I did Dead Famous and some of these other shows and some of the stuff you didn't get to see, uh, you know, like Ghost Adventures, I wasn't going in as a medium. Um, Ghost Hunters was the same thing. I didn't get to do my mediumship. Right. Right. Is that we, we had to, I did my mediumship, but then 
we had to use the focus on the device, you know, the right. scientific. Method. But like in Dead Famous and everything, I mean, I had a conversation with John Lennon when I was sitting in the car. Is he came to me? It wasn't like I just said, "Okay, I'm going to get John Lennon." Bling, you know, and then there's right. John Lennon. It doesn't work that way. You know, I wish it did. It doesn't. And anybody that says they can do that, well, teach me, okay? Because I, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe you can just do that because you have another personality that has to be responsive. In this situation, he knew we were at the Drake Hotel. I'm sitting in the car. He came to me to show me something, but none of this was on camera because it happened away from us filming. Mm-hmm. But understanding these things and how the spirits work and how they feel and how I can actually, you know, knock on their door. I know ways to do that, that they will respond allows me to communicate with this entity, whether it's an aggressive nature or whatever is to establish verbal communication. And sometimes I'll do verbal communication. If they end up possessing the person and speaking through them, um, the person, if they want permission, I allow that. Because then that way you find out exactly what the attachment is because it releases both. And then you end up removing it because you sever what's attaching them. Because if that person begins identifying what's affecting them, they can heal. They can heal that. Well, that no longer is the anchor for that spirit being there because they've overcome it. So that entity will then realize, I got to go to somebody else. But if they just go to somebody else, you're spreading it. So what I try to do is also help that soul to release what it's dealing with and not have those manic episodes that makes them want to take it out on living people. Okay. That was a huge, that's a really long answer. Sorry. No, it's Good a great answer. answer. Yeah. Um, so Rob wants to know, based on what you're saying, how can someone help self-help then? Self-help for yourself? Yeah. It's tough because your emotions get in the way. I'm actually, uh, a friend of mine just gave me a book um, a week ago, actually, and it's called The Sedona Method. And I'm actually re- reading that right now, and that's dealing with deep, deep emotions because that might help when I'm working with some of these clients and working with the spirits as well as for my own personal stuff that I've dealt with in learning how to release that, um, getting rid of it. But what I tend to do is I've been doing it for so long that it doesn't really affect me too much um, when I'm there, when I come and go because honestly, and even since the accident, I've become very emotion, uh, emotionless in some ways to where, I mean, I have feelings, but my feelings have really been, I don't know how to explain it. And I think a lot has a lot to do with the TBI is your, are they muted? Yeah, that's the word. Yeah. That is the word. Yeah. It's really, they're muffled. They're muffled. Like, am I really feeling that? Is that really bothering me? Yeah. You know, um, but maybe that's part of the detachment. Um, and the realization that you're not your body and honestly, you're not your emotions either. Those are all attachments to the human condition. Well, here's the thing I, I'm going to tell you is, um, I can't remember what year this was. It might've been 2012, 13. Um, I was getting really bad headaches and, and, and the pain was so bad that I couldn't leave my bed at times. Um, and I know we went and filmed this pilot in 2012 and I was in so much pain that I was driving the van. I was going over, curbs and everything hitting stuff because the pain was significant and when i was i had to deliver some lines regarding some history of the place and i couldn't remember any of it and i was getting so irritated and i was saying the wrong names like i said that abraham lincoln went and killed john wilkes booth (laughs) everybody knows john wilkes booth killed abraham lincoln but my mind wasn't able to put things so it was tough to where i didn't want to be here i basically wanted to die and 
um, I went through a lot of internal decision-making, let's put it that way, to where I'm like, you know, I just don't want to be here. And so I struggled with that. And I started having out-of-body experiences and I started seeing life differently. And a lot of it, what it was, was the lack of emotion and stuff going on from the TBI and the chemical balance it was causing. Um, but then when you were, people don't realize is that when you're in a lot of pain, you're trying to listen to somebody, you don't remember it a lot. Your brain can't remember it all because it's distracted mm-hmm. from the noise. But then also you're really angry and irritated and you want nothing more to just shove the person away, say, leave me the F alone because I can't handle all this noise of what I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I was going through that a lot to where I don't remember much because there was this noise in between you and I or an experience or an event that was so bad I had to keep going to my hotel room or I had to get constantly get away from people because it was too much for me. And demons started knowing that. And I started getting attacked and having all these things. Why don't you just kill yourself? I had a girl I was dating. I got a rec- on recording saying that. Who says that? You know, she goes, why don't you just do the whole world a favor and kill yourself? And it's like, and I still have these recordings. Who says that? And I realize it's demons. It's affecting her. But it's like everything comes at you because you're at your weakest point. Um, right. and I, don't, I don't know where I was going on this. But <laughs> a tangent. No, you know, that's okay. At, at that point, I was just like, you know, I can't, I can't take this. And I was praying to God. I was trying whatever I could try. I was on a lot of pain pills and muscle relaxers. And I stopped doing that because I was having so many side effects. And they were making me more manic, depressive, and angry. Um, I just gave up. And I had this out-of-body experience. And I went to heaven, and I was there, and this this angel was there. And he didn't have wings or anything. It was more of a, a, a guide. Mm-hmm. And I was in this store. He goes, what do you want? And I said, all these things from my childhood that I always loved, like putting together monster model kits, Godzilla, the Aurora monster models, yep. and stuff. That was like my favorite thing to do besides drawing and playing baseball. And I always wished there was all these other monsters or horror creatures that became model kits, and they never did back then. They are now. So that was like my childhood dream was to have them all. And so he takes me to the section. Here's all these model kits you could ever imagine. I'm picking them all, putting them in a cart. It's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm taking them all. He's like, no, you don't understand. They will always be here for you. And then all of a sudden the wall opens up and all these souls start going through and they're going to this mountain. There's this beautiful mountain. There's this lake and stream and it was so green and so blue. And all these souls are flying towards this mountain. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm flying and I'm like, wow, I can fly. And I'm like, I'm free. And I just, then I remembered, I didn't even think about my past and where I came from. It's like, I'm a soul. I'm free. I'm going home. I went up to the top of the mountain. And when I was on top of the mountain, I went and I started touching the mountain, like upside down, like handstand. And all the other souls started doing what I was doing. We started we're like children. We all started doing the same thing. And we were all just so happy. And because we were so happy, and think about it. When you're so happy, you want to play. You wanna, you're like a child. You want to do stuff. I, I got to get yeah. out. I got to go enjoy it and celebrate with people. I got to just interact. Yeah. That's what all our souls were doing. And I remember, and I go, look what I'm doing. And they all started doing it too. We were, we were replicating what everybody else was doing. Then I saw this mist of this waterfall. So I said, oh, waterfall, I've always wanted to go underneath the waterfall. So I fly towards the waterfall, I go underneath it, and just as I go underneath it, I wake up and I shoot up out of my bed. The sun's out in the morning and I felt such peace. And this voice says, Chris, it says, why worry? This will always be here for you. You're not going anywhere. You're just living this life for a short period of time. Don't worry about the pain anymore. And I didn't, for a while, I didn't worry about the pain. I was like... 
I felt like, wow, you're right. What's the hurry? What's the rush? It's always going to be there. You know, it's not like, you know, so whatever you go through in life, you just have to get through it. So I tried that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) That positive thing didn't work. And then, Uh you know, the rest is a story I'm not ready to talk about. But but it's a story that's, uh, it's enlightening and and it prophesized. It's and I don't want to say it's come true because if there's anything else around the corner, it's really going to suck. But back in 2000, 2001, I was introduced to this one woman that was a psychic and she didn't know who I was. And I, you know, I wasn't on TV or anything. Nobody knew who I was. And she read me within seconds and started crying. She started revealing everything that's going to go on in my life within 10 years. And she started identifying these certain girls are going to come into your life and she's describing them to a T. And I remember this is like back in what? maybe 98, 2000 or something like that. I can't remember. And I'm at a club with music going, and she's telling me all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right, whatever. She goes, well, you saw demons when you were a little kid, these little creatures. I was like, how'd you know that? She was describing them. I go, yeah, that's exactly, how'd you know this? So then she starts saying to me, they're going to come after you again. And I said, ah, you know, I, I beat them. I played football in college. I can fight. I, I beat them, and I'm spiritually strong. Nothing to worry about. He says, no, you understand. They're going to get you at your weakest point, and they're going to be attached to her, and it's going to be 10 years from now, and you're going to see them again. I said, you mean see them with my own eyes? I go, yeah, then I'll just kick them out. I'll be fine. Then I won't date this girl. I'll, I'll listen to things. No. So then she goes, you need to start. She starts identifying things about the girl, and I'm like, what? And she goes, then if you don't, you're going to get in a car crash. And I'm like, a car crash? She's like, yeah, and the car crash is going to be terrible because then all these other things are going to happen. And I'm like, you're going too fast. Listen, that ain't going to happen. I'm not going to let the demons get to me. They're not going to bother me. And if I see this girl, uh, that's uh, she, I'm just going to get rid of her. Yeah. Oh, my God. When I was with her wow. and she was on my bed and there was things we went through that were really difficult, they, mm-hmm. they were terrible, things that she was doing and she was messing with my head. And remember, I just had the accident. Mm-hmm. No, I hadn't had the accident yet. I'm sorry. I hadn't had the accident yet. And all of a sudden, we're watching TV, a big TV in the bedroom, and the lights are on in the bedroom. And all of a sudden, Koromai turns, and I see this little creature walk out of the closet. And I look at it, and I look down, and all of a sudden, I race back to my childhood, the fear of when these things came out of the closet and what they looked like. And now I'm thinking, wow, they're a lot smaller. They seemed a lot bigger when I was little. But, but you know, when you're sure. you know, 11 years old, 10, 8 years old, and you see these things, they look a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So when I looked and I looked back at it and it was still there and it, and it slithered back into the darkness, then became like transparent. And then its face came back out, like jumped. And I, I just jumped up. She was, Oh my God, you saw something. And I go racing towards the closet. I'm pulling down the jeans. I'm, I got my jeans and t-shirts in there and I'm kicking and I'm throwing stuff. I'm like, come on, you mother. You know, I'm swearing. I said, come on, how dare you come into my house? I'm not afraid of you. You know, and then I'm done yelling and I realize I'm in a closet yelling. She's outside in the bed and I turn on, she's like this. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? And I'm like, whoa, no, listen to me. You don't understand. And then I raced downstairs. I called Adam Bly and I called John Zappas. I got his voicemail. Adam called me back. And he says, Chris, there's someone in your life right now that they were attached to. And I'm like, oh, shit. And mm-hmm. it was. They got in because of her. And that's a whole wow. other story I'm not going to go into. Holy God. But then it was like, but I care about her. 
and she's helping me with so many things. And seven days later, I got in a car crash. Wow. Seven days later from later. seeing this demon I have not seen since my childhood in 1977-78. So for me, it was like, oh, my God, the prophecy, what's next? And it was one thing after another. I mean, That's the crazy. worst stuff I've ever gone through my life. And I had to keep bouncing back and bouncing back and bouncing back. Mm-hmm. And you know, personal things I've had to deal with because of, of the car crash. Yeah. Affecting everything. Affecting mm-hmm. my work. Affecting everything I do. Relationships. Everything. Mm-hmm. Um. I had to, you know, start getting within myself and I started communicating at different levels. Divine intervention started happening, all these signs I was getting. And I was like, and I would laugh going, man, you guys really, really are doing what you can to get through to me. I said, this is amazing. Man. So I said, all right, keep trying, keep trying. Yeah. And then I had, uh, I was almost killed when I was on a vacation in Costa Rica. Um, I had texted my buddy. A week before I went, saying, I have a feeling I'm not coming back. When I saw my mom, I gave her a hug. I told my sister, listen, I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm just going to use my Wi-Fi. Text me. That's how you get a hold of me. And I even told this one girl I was supposed to go with to dinner. I told her, I said, you know, you may never see me again. She said, what do you mean? I said, I could die. You know, I can uh, plane crash or something. I'm going on this trip. So that was that. Um, and then I had these messages that occurred. But to kind of fast forward, there were certain spiritual things that occurred the day before my flight, the day of the flight, the day I got there, and over the next two days that were teaching me things to become more aware of a decision I was going to make. Our past and our experiences up into present moment dictate how we are going to react to many opportunities or many decisions that we have to make very quickly. Because you may not be afraid of something, but then if they show you why you should be afraid of it, when that decision comes, you're going to react to it, fight or flight, differently than you would if you weren't. What ended up happening was I said to the universe the day I arrived, because three other things that they did were all significant, and I realized it comes in threes. I said, give me another sign, but I want you to have someone come up to me while I'm on this trip and deliver a message. I want them to say, I have a message for you, and tell me what I need to work on for myself if I'm going to survive all this. Sure enough, the second to last day there, woman's trying to get my attention at the bar and i'm like you know listen i'm with my buddy we're having a drink we're chilling what next thing you know i get a tap on my shoulder she spins me around in the stool she goes i've been trying to get your attention all night i said yeah yeah i see that she's like i have a message for you and i'm like i grabbed my buddy i said mike mike i go she just said i have a message for you he goes wait a minute he goes do you think this is the one this is the message i go i don't know let's listen i said go ahead you have my undivided attention. And next you know, she starts ripping on me, <laughs> right? But what she's saying was true. And she's going on and on and on. And she's going, I'm sitting there going, she goes, are you mad at me? You tell me you want to leave, get the hell out of here. I'm like, no, I want to thank you. Who thanks somebody when they get completely ripped on and torn apart? I'm hugging her, thanking her. I said, she's like, what, what? I said, you just delivered a message from the universe. And I said, can I read you? She's like, what do you mean? So I thank them. I give gratitude after I recognize something and you receive something. You always have to give gratitude. So I look up and I give gratitude. I said, thank you. Oh, my God. You, you, you did it. I got it. It's harsh, but I got it, right? Allow me to give something to her. Please, let me give something back to you. You have gratitude and then you give back. That's what you have to do. So I 
I said, I'm going to read you. So I started reading her. She's like, oh, how did you know that? I said, well, I don't know that. They do. I just communicate with them, right? And then that was that. We, we, we had a nice little friendship at that moment. And then the lights go on and we're leaving. And she's like, well, I'm not going home with you. I said, no, I don't want you to go with me. I said, just walk with me, please. You have the universe attached to you right now. I want to be around that because it's amazing. The energy is just so amazing. I felt such in the moment. So we're walking and I take out my, my iPhone. I start filming her, you know, and she's like, no, don't film me. I don't want to be filmed. No, no, no. She goes, we really should get a cab. We got a cab, you know, It'll take me home and then take, you got to go where you got to go. And I'm like, um, I just want to walk. I'm going to walk back to the hotel. You know, it's a great night. She's like, it's two in the morning. You don't understand. I'm like, no, 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 no. This car goes by three times real slow. Bad muffler, just that like you expect in the horror movies, you know, bad muffler, dark car, tinted windows. I mean, the car was like a, a dark gray or bluish color, but had tinted windows. You couldn't see. Well, I'm looking at it and she's like, they want your watch and your cell phone. I'm like, well, we'll let them. You know, I, I know how to fight. My dad's a professional hockey player. I studied martial arts. So I go, bring it. You know, I'm in such a good mood. <laughs> and the car comes by three times and, and I realized there's nobody else on the street. There's no cabs. They're all gone. And the car turns around. I see it coming. And it's like a voice says, choose. And it says, it's not about you. I'm like, what? What about her? What about her? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. You know, what if they come out, they shoot you, whatever, and they hurt you, they're going to do it to her. You're not even thinking of protecting her. I'm like, oh, damn. And then all of a sudden, this cab pulls out of the alley in between us and this car. And I look, and I'm like, holy cow, it's right, right out of a movie. And it's a big van, and it pulls out right in front. She goes, there's a cab, there's a cab. I said, all right. So I flag him down. He comes right up. I throw her in there. I literally, I may threw her in there because they're speeding now towards us. I get in, shuts the door. They come right up, slam on the brakes. It's just slightly behind the van, start honking and flashing the lights. And then they roll around. They take off going like 50 miles an hour or more. And I'm sitting there going, she's like, I told you, I told you. I'm like, oh my God, all of a sudden, whoosh, all these memories and this release goes through me where I see myself in a hospital bed in critical condition, um, all beat up, oxygen going in, everything, and I see the life thing going, dee, 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 where I'm barely alive. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, oh, and then whew, it's gone. And I'm like, I almost died. I was going to die. And they were showing me, I said, that was moments before death. That's how I was going to die. Wow. And I was going to die. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her, I go, you just saved my life. She's like, what? I go, now did you bring a message? You saved my life. And I felt like my whole life felt new again. It was really mm-hmm. weird. So I race back into the, the uh, uh, hotel, and my buddy Mike's there. I go, Mike, you're not going to believe this. And I told him, he's like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> he says, you're crazy. But the interesting thing to end this story is the next day I was in awe. All of a sudden, my phone rings. It doesn't ring. I get a text message. My sister says, you know, call me ASAP. So I go into the room, use Wi-Fi, and I call her. She says, are you sitting down? I go, no, I'm sitting down. She goes, listen, there's nothing you can do. I go, what the hell's going on? She goes, mom has two blood clots. They don't know if they can save her in time. They just went into emergency surgery. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm in Costa Rica. And you're telling me this. And then I'm thinking, I wasn't even supposed to be here right now. I could have been dead, you know, from last night. And so she gets off. She goes, she went in now. Uh, I'll, I'll call you, let you know how it goes. And I'm like. Well, I can't get upset. 
I can't scream and get mad because there's nothing I can do. I'm not there. And a voice says, what are you going to do? There's nothing. My buddy says, there's nothing you can do. And I'm like, no, there is something I can do. There's never nothing that you can do. There's always something. So I went into the hotel room, put on my swim trunks. I went right out to the ocean. It was right there. I went right in the water. I surrendered. And I said, you know, you saved my life last night. You gave me a message that made me make the right decision uh, that allowed me a second chance. I said, but you can't do that and take my mom away. You just can't do that. So I'm praying to you right now because you're not going to do that. And uh, and I made a little challenge promise to him as well. So I sat there and prayed in the beautiful water in the, in the sun. No better place I'd want to be. Then I went into the hotel room. I went on Facebook and I said, here's the situation. Please pray for my mom. And then within like an hour, there was 300 likes. There was like 500 likes and like 300 comments. It was insane within just two hours. Um, five, six hours later, I get the phone call from my stepdad. He goes, well, it's a miracle. I go, what? He goes, she made it. He goes, but they didn't think she was going to make it. I go, why? Well, they found two other blood clots. She had four blood clots. Oh my God. Two of them were near the lungs, in the lungs. And um, he said, so she's not supposed to be here right now. And the doctors, they're saying it's a miracle. I said, no, it's not a miracle. I said, because I prayed in the ocean, and since I couldn't do anything else, a voice does something. So I went on social media, and over 300 people prayed. He goes, well, it worked. I go, of course it did. <laughs> 300 people praying, that sends one big beacon to the other side. Yeah. So my mom, I got to talk to her on the phone. She goes, I'm not supposed to be here right now. That's the first thing she says. <laughs> I go, well, you are. She goes, I know, but I felt like I had to come back. And I go, what do you mean come back? She goes, I don't know. That's what they were telling me. I had to come back. Who was telling you? I don't know the nurses. The nurses were telling you to come back. The nurses never said that. But mm. my mom was getting it, right? So uh, it was interesting how my survival by making a right decision on that trip was influenced by somebody else, but also influenced by me having to go there. I had to get through something in my life. I remember coming back home, my buddy that I had texted saying, I have a feeling I'm going to die. He says, well, it looks like you didn't die. I go, but I have a story for you. You're not going to believe <laughs> yeah. it. So I sat down and was like, wow, you made the right decision. I said, no kidding. No kidding. Boy, that's, that's an amazing story. And, you know, if you haven't written a book about it, you need to. Well, I had, you know, here's the thing. I started writing um, this whole book. The, uh, in 2014, the end of 2014, but I was still dealing with these creatures. I was still dealing with these mm -hmm. things that it wasn't finished. So right. I kept putting it off. And then what ended up happening was this year, uh, I started writing, I was going to write a book about my dad. I said, I'm going to do a book about my dad. So I started writing that and then I, 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 I blew up. I was so stressed out because I had so much to write about. And then my manager had brought something up. He says, well, why don't you write a couple books? I said, I don't know if I can, you know, separate it all because it's all like, wait a minute. I had this idea and I mapped it all out and I have five books and the, uh, the first book is called, Hey dad, I love you, which is about the father son relationship growing up. It's got some of the paranormal, just a little bit of the paranormal stuff in there and how my dad reacted to it and stuff. I don't go into all the details because that's more in a personal journey. This is between the relationship father and son and then him playing hockey and what it was like then him having CTE and his brain problems that we didn't know about at the time. 
the violence and stuff. He got arrested and in the fights I got in and almost getting kicked out of college and all these things I was going through because of what I was dealing with, with my father and, and dealing with things that I've been through. And then it ends on a happy note to where, you know, I communicate with my father after death and I have evidence of his voice multiple times speaking to me. Um, and I've replicated that at some events. And even with college students, they've heard my father come through or hear his responses. Wow. Cool. So that is the, the story of forgiveness and everything in the end. That's the book. That hints at the paranormal things I've gone on in my life and the challenges I went through. The second book is called Caught Between Heaven and Hell. And that is my battle with both sides that I went through living in the haunted house I grew up in, like Amityville Horror, and then growing up dealing with psychic abilities and relationships, the problems, the difficulties when you know when a woman's lying and you're dating her. And it's like, God, that's hard. Um, yeah. And then dealing with uh, ghost hunting in the 90s and doing the TV shows and then when I get attacked by the demons coming back. And then the things I've learned in communicating with certain entities, all that's going to be in that book. And then the third okay. book is based on a experience that happened, something that I haven't revealed to the public yet, but I can validate it with people I went to grade school with because they remember me telling this story um, was something that happened on Easter uh, back in like would have been the mid-70s. The book is on that and then me pursuing questions in regards to that that reveals things that are just incredible in dealing with other dimensions and stuff. But um, – and then the fourth book is going to be on using the sixth sense, what I've learned from all these experiences and how people can improve that within their own life. And the fifth book is a book that I want to do for high schools, colleges, and dealing with life um, and principles of how you can use your sixth sense as well as follow these things to become role models and model yourself to be successful, not only in relationships, but in that. But before I can write that book, because I have a lot that's already going to go in there, there's still a journey I'm going on that has to be completed before I have a voice to be saying what I'm saying for that book, okay. if that makes sense. But you, you you know where you're going. You're just not there yet. I created five. Well, yeah, I'm working on Hey yeah. Dad, I Love You com is already online. You know, the book's being written. Um, you know, cool. I should be done spring, so it'll be right. out in the summer. And then... I'm already also writing the second book while I'm doing this, certain bits and pieces. So that second book then will be written next year and hopefully get up by the end of the year or the year after. So, Great. Well, that segues perfectly into what we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner, where mm. you can uh, tell people where they can find you, where they can learn more about you. You can't find me. I'm hiding. No, you're using <laughs> I've been hiding for a while. It's like yeah. I've, I've just tried to get my life back in control and, and, and do things. No, I've been going all, a lot with some of my friends and having a great time and doing a bunch of events. But I pulled back on a few things to kind of focus on certain stuff. I mean, the ghost hunting I've been doing my whole life. You know, I've, and geez, I did it in high school, did it in college and out of college. So it's something that there's so many other people that are well versed doing it today that um, it's like I've got to go into the areas that, you know, other people haven't gone into as well as the areas of my life that I haven't expressed fully or that is above and beyond the ghost hunting. You know, we're talking right. about the spiritual medium stuff and communicating right. locally and non-locally. So I've been focusing on like teaching an ESP class. I have a, the next uh, workshops coming up January 14th um, in Schaumburg, Illinois, Tri-Balance Yoga. It'll be a five-hour course. 
I've taught two of these this this year, and it's phenomenal the the results people are getting at the end. And I'm 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 even shocked. I mean, I almost walked out of the room on one of them. The one woman did. I, you know, she dropped a bomb on us, and it was just like, holy cow! And people that didn't even think they were psychic were describing these things that I had in an envelope and everything using certain forms of remote viewing, but we wow, did it great. in a way where it's, it's psychic and I show them how to do that psychically. Mm-hmm. And it was great. And then we talk about definite purpose and plan, changing your life where you're supposed to be. And I've already received uh, messages, uh, voicemails, emails from individuals that have already accomplished that. And it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm living in Florida now and, you know, following this career because of what I learned in your course and the course is not me teaching you what to become successful and stuff. It's teaching you how to communicate with the universe, creating a contract with them that you write out in the class and create you a goal and purpose you work on every day. But you, I teach you how to communicate with the universe to recognize those psychic messages they send you as well as opportunities that they're going to show you on a day-to-day basis or within a month or a couple months that you have to find that because that then steers you in the direction for the decision you're going to make with your free will to accomplish that. And, you know, it's some of the principles that Napoleon Hill talked about, but I'm taking what I've learned with communicating with the universe and how to fully do that. Don't worry about how do you get from point A to point B. I'll show you how to do that. Very cool. That's in the Sixth Sense for Success Consciousness uh, Workshop. January 14th. You guys can go to my website, ChristopherFleming.com, and it's 1M. Go to ChristopherFleming.com, scroll down to the events, click on the link, and it'll take you there to uh, get tickets. Perfect. Well, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you, and I thank you for taking the time, and I hope you'll come back because it sounds like there's lots more to talk about, and we'd love to talk to you after your book comes out especially. Yeah, this is a tough one, getting the family members and, and everybody involved and uh, quotes from a lot of people that my father's known because yeah. they've had stories and, and getting a hold of them has become, it's tough. Getting a, yeah. I've 60 people to get a hold of. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. Good luck. I, well, I'm good at, I got to do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They well, thank me. you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming on. It's been really fun. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate Thanks, that. Uh, have All, right. Uh-huh. All right. You, Thanks, too. you too. Good night. All right. Bye. All right. Boy, that was a fascinating conversation. We could have gone on for a lot longer. Sorry. Bob had a question in chat and we just couldn't get to it. It was just too much. When I talked to him last time, we just kept going and going and going. So much. Oh, sorry. That's okay. My laptop fell. That's right. There's so much stuff that you could talk about with him. And it's, and it's, I'm so, I felt so bad. I didn't know about the accident or anything like that. So, um, you know, I felt really yeah, well, you know, but you know, I guess things happen to people. But he, he uh, he's still Chris. You know, he's great to talk to. I like talking. Exactly. To him. All right, mm-hmm. tell us when you're ready, Cheryl. I, we, have I, to- we are ready to roll our correspondence a- segment. Yeah, which is which is winter bellfire, which is in Mexico. All right, right so here back. we go with that. Hello, this is Winter Bellfire, paranormal underground radio in the dark correspondent, and I'm here live in Los Angeles, California. Tonight's true story comes to us from Mexico. A big part of Mexican lore involves stories and superstitions about brujas or witches. Not modern-day pagan practitioners, but the stereotypical flying entities with black pointed hats and brooms. Stories about witches have frightened people for centuries, and till this day, 
Some women will not leave a window open in their child's room for fear of them being taken. Or, they'll place a pair of scissors in an X under their child's crib for protection against these creatures. Amulets are readily available to help ward off their powers. But is there truly anything to be afraid of? If you ask police officer Leonardo Simoniago from Guadalupe Nuevo Leon, the answer is yes. In January 2004, Leonardo was on a routine patrol. A little after 3 a.m., he was startled by something falling from a nearby tree. This thing seemed to hover just above the ground and tried to shield its face from the headlights of the police car. The officer reports seeing what looked like a tall woman with dark skin, large black eyes with no pupils, wearing a black cloak. The woman became angry and lunged at the car, screaming and clawing at the windshield. Leonardo quickly put the car in reverse, panicking. He called for backup, but eventually ended up crashing his vehicle and passed out. When help arrived, Leonardo regained consciousness and recalled what he saw. The officer also agreed to a drug test and psychological evaluation. He passed both. Another officer, Jorge Contreras, reported that he too had seen this creature a few nights prior, but didn't report it. The sightings don't end there. Another officer, Gerardo Garza, from Santa Catarina, reported seeing two of these creatures floating near a cemetery. They also appeared to be female and were covered in plumage. About two years later, a video surfaced from Nuevo Leon of a flying entity that looks similar to the previously reported witches. This humanoid entity resembling a hunched woman with pointy hat floating along the mountains was filmed by a local UFO club and quickly went viral. The video, dubbed the Witch of Monterey, has been called a hoax, and the entity was later said to be a group of balloons. So even if the Witch of Monterey wasn't real, what did multiple police officers from different districts see on different nights? Are the tales of the Bruja so ingrained that many will claim seeing them just based on the suggestion of their existence? Let me know your thoughts. This is Winter Balefire for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. All righty, there you have it. Winter Balefire, which is in Mexico. And Chris Fleming. My God, that guy's fascinating, isn't he? For sure. Yes. Uh-huh. Heck awesome. yeah. Heck lots, yeah. He gave me lots to think about. And yeah. I think that a lot of people, if they listen to kind of maybe the heart of what he's saying, there's things there for people to, to apply in their own lives. Definitely, yeah. He has a yeah. lot of good information. So, yeah. is it lightning round time? Are you ready? Are you ready for the lightning round? No, we need the light- I'm never should- ready. Hey, Chuck, would you yeah, need like- a lightning round sound effect so that sure, we can start using it? Lightning cool. round. So, um, Jim, has, Jim worked last night and spent the morning at the dentist, but he roused himself from his slumber <laughs> so that he could be here for the lightning round. Whoa, a, I like all those words, rousing and slumber. Okay. Well, I I is a writer. I know you as a writer. I can tell when you speak. <laughs> <laughs> I speak like a writer. Yes, okay, you so are okay. you guys are you guys ready? No, I'm never ready for your questions. I don't know what's coming. It's always oh, like <laughs> well, I'll let you know. I'll let you know when we get to my favorite question. Oh all yes, right, please. So okay. The yeah. first question. BBC News reports that authorities in the Netherlands discovered three World War II shipwrecks had vanished into thin air, leaving behind holes in the ocean floor. Authorities suspect that the ships had been stolen for scrap, either with explosives or people just came in in groups and took a little bit of time over the years until they disappeared. 
But here's the thing. Nobody noticed them disappearing. One day they were there and then they were gone. Um, but, of course, they are on the ocean floor, too. So, you know, maybe it's easy to do stuff undetected. Anyway, here's my question. How would you make an entire shipwreck disappear without anybody noticing, Chuck? Oh, a portal. I'd open up a stinking portal. You'd open a stinking portal. Yeah, like All right. Tesla coils and whoo, and there we it. Boom. Very good. Jim, how would you make a ship disappear? With a big vacuum cleaner. <laughs> There you go. Suck it right up. All right, Cheryl. Acid. Acid. Oh, oh that's like that, that, um, what, uh, the Walter White show. Um, what's what? the show? With Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. That's how they would make the bodies disappear. They'd put them in acid. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. See my. All right. My... Oh Lord. Okay. All right. The. Canadian Broadcasting Company, CBC, reports that research has, researchers have released findings of studies. Oh, this is it. This is my favorite one. Uh, that researchers have re released findings of studies that suggest dinosaurs didn't make loud, roaring noises as is often depicted in popular media like movies like Jurassic Park. Uh -huh. But instead, what they did is they made honking and quacking sounds. You ready? No. Make your best dinosaur noise for me, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, Come on. Do it. First of all, I'm still I'm still stuck on an image of a quacking dinosaur okay. in my mind, and now I've got to come up with a noise. Okay. Make your you we'll have you go last. Check what's yours. <laughs> oh, Jim, what's yours? Yeah. No, no, I can't. I can't compete with those two. You no. don't you have do to. it. It's Come a on, lightning round. Just break wind in the microphone. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> what the hell? Is that? Can you see why that is my favorite lightning? Oh uh, yes. Yes, I actually it. can see that. Yeah, right. Okay, so here we go. Next one. Associated Press reports that a Pennsylvania man who owned a pooper scooper company oh, bought and used phony secret service credentials to impress women on a dating site. He pled guilty for misusing an official seal. What is the oddest or most illegal thing you've ever done to impress a member of the opposite sex, Jim? Uh, wow. Book on quantum physics? No, I used to book <laughs> on quantum physics. <laughs> it worked. I you married me. <laughs> So, do you have an answer? Or are you just gonna use mine? Uh, I don't. Oh, this is a tough I one. My lawyers advised me to take the fifth on this. Oh, yeah. Um. So, Chuck. I've I've changed my age to make myself younger. Oh yeah, Cheryl. <laughs> She's I your head. may or may not have. Like the way you did that. Exaggerated. Yes my weight once oh you know i have to tell you cheryl uh yesterday i renewed my driver's license yes. <laughs> the first time in over 20 years that my driver's license actually has my right weight on it okay i totally lied last time i got my driver's license oh now the truth comes out now it comes out lower weight <laughs> than <laughs> was reality <laughs> so i mean thank you I'm karen 
I like that. Licensing and the lady says to me, so oh, are you still 5'6 oh. and do you still weigh blank? And I was like, I said I was 5'6. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. I'm yes, yeah, on a good that. day. I like the way, I like the way yeah. Stone goes from like, you know, oh, I may or may not. All right, fine, I lied. I just... <laughs> All right, you ready for the next one? All right. Yep. From AP, a jury convicted a Massachusetts man who used Cheetos as a fire accelerant when he set fire to his ex-girlfriend's home. Oh my so, Lord. which food do you suspect is the most flammable and would make a perfect fire accelerant, Cheryl? Food? Pizza. Pizza? Because it's greasy. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I'm eating pizza right now. That's the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> don't, don't light a match, man. Chuck? I'd say cheese. Like, lay, this, lay the cheese down and boom. Yeah, it goes. Oh, that's the same you know, thing like they do, Cheetos. Yeah, yeah, like when they light the cheese in the. Uh huh. Yep. Okay. Cheese yeah. whiz and cheese whiz in a lighter. Oh, <laughs> what do you got? AMPM bean burritos. More energy. Oh. So you eat them and then you light as they come yes. out. Oh, got it. Oh, you are. So in other words, you are the accelerants, is what yes, you're saying. Yes, they are the methane. <laughs> All right. Here's one from UPI that he reports a man from the UK sent a world record bungee jumping over 200 feet dip a cookie into a cup of tea. Oh, my God. Say so what? I would like to know what special skill you have that you believe you could set a world record with, Chuck. Oh, my God. I have the slightest idea. I'm doing a, I am killing it with these lightning round I questions. No, I think, well, I used to pick Stop up marbles on my toes when I was learning how to be flat-footed. Okay. So I think I could put marbles into a can faster than anybody with my toes. All right. Cool, Jim. How are you? It's going to involve you and a bungee cord in this position. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Get this message. Uh, Cheryl, You're setting a record. What can I yeah. set a record doing? Yeah. What could you set a record doing? You know, like mine is that I can taste the colors of M and M's. I know what color they are in my mouth. Seriously? Do that for a long time and set the record doing that. Whoa, that's cool. I so what's yours? Sheesh, God, I'm not as talented as you people. I can tell you that right now. Come on, you have some talent. Everybody has a special skill, Cheryl. I could eat more pizza than anybody else. I don't know. Oh, pizza Wait. obsessed. All right, and I'm going to apologize for the last question in advance, but I no. had to. God. Huffington right. Do you want me to not go there, Cheryl? You just said no. I don't know what you're going to say, but you're scaring me. Yeah. Oh, He's here. Huffington Post reports that a 28-year-old South African man turned up at the emergency room with a case of penile strangulation after putting his wedding ring on his penis using it as a cock ring. God. Are you more scared about the beginning or the question that comes after? The question. I just want to know what embarrassing injury you have sustained due to your own stupidity. For instance, I swallowed a marble like three or four times when I was a kid. I uh, uh, I guess I guess I can go. I mean, it's it's nothing really weird. I mean, I was in martial arts and I was going to teach a class, and so I'm walking all really cool and everything, and I take my pinky toe, goes right against the side of the mat, and snaps it, and breaks it. Oh. And, then, and then I had a broken toe, and I had to I had to do the class because there was no one else to do class. Then they had to hop from the class to the locker and into my car because what was I going to do? So oh. yeah, in pain the whole like. There's hour and a half. When you snag your pinky toe, oh, it's snap! It's snap. In the middle of the night on the corner of the bed or something. Oh yes. my god! Yes. It's knee. sideways now. It's a heel sideways. Uh, ooh, weird. Tell <laughs> uh, me that the next time I see you. So, okay. Cheryl. Well, I have. Can I say two? 
<laughs> oh, really you got two. Yeah. That I've uh, I caused think the injury. The answers it's required. Yes. <laughs> the first one has to do with dislocating my pinky toe in the middle of the night when I got up to use the restroom and a piece of luggage was in the middle of the hallway thanks to Chad and I dislocated my toe and I pushed it back in and the next day my whole foot was blue but it was due to my own stupidity and uh, I can admit that and Chad's stupidity and, and, Chad, and, and Chad's uh, putting Chad the luggage in the middle of the room um, the second one was apparently I'm not bright enough to walk down a flight of stairs and talk on the phone. Uh Uh-oh, Chad heard me. Um, At the same time, because I was doing so, and I was reading off a piece of paper, as well as talking on the phone and walking down the stairs, and my foot hit the stair wrong, flew down the stairs. Luckily, there was carpeting, and I landed. I didn't hit anything, but I badly sprained my ankle so bad that it was... It healed, but it, it bothered me for like five years later. I mean, long, many, many years after the, the initial injury. Yeah. injury. I, yeah. I would like to remind you that just recently I suffered a concussion because I moved my head at the same time my nephew moved a car door. So, yes. you know. There you go. So it I get it. It We have to go to Jim, but I just have to tell you, Jim, that we only have six minutes, five minutes left in the show. So you're going to have to be of my how I got. You're, you're going to have to be selective story. in all your stupid how I got hurt. <laughs> go fast. Just choose choose your favorite. Uh, when I was about nine or ten, they were putting sewers in our neighborhood, so they were digging these thirteen foot deep trenches all through the neighborhood. Uh-huh. And of course, we made some really crappy little ramps and tried to jump them. Ooh, I miscalculated worked. and made sweet, sweet love to the steel gooseneck of a Schwinn oh. just before 13 feet and landing on the crossbar. I, I am aware oh, of that. Lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh. feeling that right now as we speak. There you have it. That's how yeah, we do. Not so do. you can rub some dirt on it. That's how we do. Like, <laughs> rub you guys all just rub some dirt on it and walk it off. Yeah, man. walk it off, man. Walk it off. All right, so next week is Thanksgiving. We will not be here the following week. Is that Do we have Ross Ellis in the fall? No. Who do we have the following we, week? On December 1st, we will be talking with Jay Verberg. And he's a paranormal investigator. And he, you might have also seen him on Sci-Fi's TV show called Ghost Mine. Very good. Very cool. Okay, anything else you'd like to report in the four minutes we have left? Cheryl. Uh, December 8th, we'll also be having a show with Ross Allison. He's the founder of Advanced Ghost Hunters of Seattle, Tacoma, also known as Ooh. a ghost. And he is the author of Ghostology 101, A Ghost Hunter's Guide, also a book called Tacoma's Haunted History, and then a book called Spooked in Seattle, A Haunted Handbook. And Karen, I believe you said he's working on a book about haunted toys. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh yes. About haunted toys. And so he, he would be really fun to talk to. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right. And then we're taking a hiatus. A hiatus? Yep. We are. Yeah, for four weeks. And then we'll be four back. Four weeks. For four weeks. On January 12th. You'll be okay. Why am I going to do four good. weeks? We'll be come back and we'll be so refreshed and energized. Yeah. And it'll be like a whole new exciting show. All right. Well, so with that, um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Chris Fleming. It was a great show. Thank you, Jim, for getting out of bed and coming up. Yes. Around. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and thank you all for sharing your deepest and most personal secrets with me on the lightning round, as well as your dinosaur noises. <laughs> yes. Thank you. A disappointed in your dinosaur noise. You want to give it another shot? No. No. <laughs> no. 
I knew that was coming. Well, you guys, oh, would you like to hear my actual stupidest injury? Yes. Yeah. I was, we were up at Wellington and I was, um, we were talking about Bigfoot and I made a Bigfoot mm-hmm. call and mm-hmm. I heard my vocal cords. I and remember it, that. Yes. And I had trouble and I was, it was when we were doing the show, I had trouble doing the show for weeks because I, uh, my voice was just, I mean, my voice was trashed for a couple months. Well, so. you know, voice is a Bigfoot should stay with Bigfoot. Bigfoot calls. That's right. So the mm. fact that you won't do a dinosaur call when I injured my I voice. Am, I, I cool. chirp, chirp. What? It could be like <laughs> clack, clack. Chirp, chirp. Ah, chirp, chirp. Even birds don't sound like that. They just go. I don't or something. Do, I don't do this, bird calls. Sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is Cheryl's. I'm a badass velociraptor. Don't try to eat me. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and with that, thank you guys for listening. Happy giving. Enjoy your turkey day Happy and your time. Yeah. And um, we'll talk gobble, to you. Gobble. Yep, happy to see you now. She does a turkey noise. <laughs> yeah, a turkey, yeah. Okay, wonderful. It doesn't make up for it, Cheryl. It make okay. up. So thank you for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio here yes. on Stellar. We will be back, not next week, but in two weeks, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, and other times in the flyover states. Y'all have a good couple of weeks. Good night. Happy Thanksgiving. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.